I'm Amanda, and this is Not Your Granny's Quilt Show. Welcome to today's episode. I am so excited for our guest today. I have Amber of Alderwood Studio on the show today. I know, huge deal. I even told her how much I was kind of fangirling because I've been nervous to ask her to be on the show. But of course she said yes, because she's like such a cool person. If you don't know her, Amber has a pattern writing course that is a great way for you to jump into learning how to write your own quilt patterns. If you are interested, um, her course has already started for this year. So if you are interested in taking it, she has like a mini intro course. That's kind of like an overview of the main um, pattern writing course that you can kind of do to check it out. Otherwise she does it around the early part of the year. So watch out for it next year. Um, Otherwise she is, has a subscription box, um, a modern maker membership where you can get patterns, mini like mini quilts or wall hangings or pillows, like small projects that are easy to dive into. And she is one of Riley Blake's newest designers. So in the fall of this year, 2024, she will have her first line of fabric called garden dreams coming out. So if you are a fan, then I, I'm going to be doing it, but you should petition your local quilt shop to carry her fabric and get it on order so that we can see her beautiful fabric on shelves. And in the meantime of you checking out all of her fun stuff, you can listen to our episode and learn all about Amber. Did you know there is new merch in the merch shop? Well, there is. I'm so excited. I've designed a couple new mugs. There's some more t-shirts, some sweatshirts and hoodies. And I just love making stuff for you guys. So head to nygqs.printify.me. The link is in the description down below so that you can check out all the cool merch that we have in the shop. And I love taking suggestions. So if you have a cool idea or something that you could see being on some merch for Not Your Granny's Quilt Show, send me a message. I'd love to hear it. Also, we're still working towards our 55 star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening and you're in Apple Podcasts right now, please pause and go do a five star review. Once we hit 50, I'm going to do a huge giveaway. That's Apple Podcasts, go to the show, leave a five-star review and help us reach 50. That way we can launch the giveaway. Now onto the show. Welcome to the show, Amber. Thank you so much for making time in your busy schedule to be here. I know you are chock full of fun things coming up. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's, It's fun to be here. Yeah. I honestly, I have to confess, I've been a little nervous to ask you to be on the show because you're like kind of a big deal. And so I just had to like carve out a second for my fangirl (laughs) appreciation because I know a lot of people I've talked to have taken your courses and love you to the moon. So this is like such a cool experience for me and hopefully for the quilters out there who know you and love you. So that's so nice of you to say. I, that's, that's so sweet. I, um, I'm not a big deal as my children would tell you. 
they don't count. <laughs> you know, there's nothing more humbling than, you know, spending your time with, with a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But thank you. Um, I always, it always means a lot to hear that, um, from my students. I try, always try to make sure that they're, um, well supported and happy and get everything they need. So that's good to hear. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I've heard nothing but good things. So it's, it's really cool. But before we get into any of that, let's start at the beginning of where you learned to sew or where quilting came into <laughs> your life and we'll go from there. Yeah. So, um, my beginning to sew story is kind of, um, I don't know. I think it's funny. Um, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I would go stay with my, my maternal grandmother, um, mm -hmm. once a year for a week in the summer. And I don't even remember how old I was when we started doing this, but I was quite young, like young enough to keep poking myself on accident. <laughs> um, but one year when I was there, my grandma got out a bunch of like her old clothes and all of this sewing stuff. She didn't have a sewing machine, but she had like this big hutch and in it, she had all kinds of random stuff. And she had like big jars of buttons and you know, needles and thread and all of that. And so one year we just spent the week chopping up her clothes and sewing them back together, Frankenstein style, like, you know, get an arm from here, get an arm from here. Yeah. Had a little skirt from here. Um, and it was a blast. I loved it. And I very proudly brought home the thing that I made for my mom and showed it to her. And I'm sure she was like, Oh, very nice. <laughs> I was like, yeah, put it on. Yeah, so, you're like, wear it, mom. Yep, and she wore it. Um, so that was really uh, where the sewing got started. And I, you know, I just, I really, I loved it. I thought it was the funnest thing ever. And I think it actually like starting that way gave me a really good appreciation for like reusing materials and things like that, which I don't do as much as I would like to now, since a lot of times I'm working with specific fabric lines and things like that. But there are so many textiles out there in the world and it's just nice to be able to give some of them kind of a second life, you know? So, um, I've always yeah. loved to try to incorporate that where I can. Uh, and then my other grandmother is the one who taught me to use a sewing machine. And she was, it was kind of the opposite situation. I had my my um, my mom's mom who gave me old clothes to sew together. And then I had my dad's mom who was extremely glamorous, like, <laughs> like the fanciest person ever. It made, I don't know, it's it was so exciting as, as a little kid. Yeah. She was part of this like organization and they'd have these big like fancy parties and events and all of these things and so she had these like formals like a massive closet full of just formal gowns and she would make some of them um some mm -hmm. of them she had made some of them she made herself or she'd alter things like that and so I got to see her then working on those and she had you know just like drawers full of like crazy beaded trim and applique stuff and ribbons and just like wild stuff rhinestones yeah. everywhere pop pink everywhere. It's like totally, totally <laughs> wild. Um, so it was really fun to kind of like have these two very different influences um, when I was learning to sew. And she would always give me leftover fabric of whatever she was working on. So, and I still have a lot of it in one of these stores back here. I don't know what I'm ever going to do with it, but you know, I have like 30, 40 year old <laughs> bundles of like satin and 
hot pink taffeta and like what am I going to do with this I don't know but it's just so fun to have on hand yeah one day inspiration will strike and you'll figure something out but yeah I mean you know I have little kids we'll get bigger maybe one day we'll we'll make something crazy for them yeah Um, but I didn't really start quilting actually until I was a teenager um and I uh did it very poorly I I'm kind of one of those people that like my husband maybe used to love this about me and not so much now (laughs) in my head. And I'm like, I think I'm going to do this thing. And he'll be like, okay, yeah. I'm like, so stand up. We're going, like, we're going now to do this thing. I'm not talking about like in a month. I'm talking about like right this second. Um, Immediately. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, I have an idea. Let's do it. Um, for better or worse. (laughs) Um, That's how I started quilting. I was, I think like 15. I don't remember what prompted it, but one day I was like, I'm going to make a quilt. And my mom, mm. was like, you know how to make a quilt? And I was like, no, but I have a sewing machine. Like, how hard can it be? Mm. Cut stuff up and sew it back together. And so I went to Joanne's and I picked out a whole bunch of like low volume grandma prints. Mm-hmm. Very into it. It was very like, you know, cottagey, which of course is back in now. So mm-hmm. of course, something. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have a rotary cutter or anything like that. I went home and carefully cut all this fabric up into little squares with scissors and then I sewed it all together didn't have an iron didn't press um didn't know what a real seam allowance was Mm. I just kind of just kind of did it and eventually I had a giant patchwork quilt and instead of um sandwiching it and quilting it (laughs) and binding it I uh, put it together like um like a pillowcase oh, like mm-hmm. pillow with like the, you know, I basically did it like that. So it around the edges and then flipped it inside out and I was like, done, did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that quilt still exists. Uh, it's not in great shape since it wasn't quilted. Mm. Yeah. I think I tied it in like three spots with a piece of yarn I found. So I did a little bit, but I actually, I actually recently cut, cut along the edges and took it apart. The mm. bed was really disgusting inside mm. but I am like I am going to sometime when I find the time I'm going to actually quilt it for real and rebind it and then turn it into a real quilt an actual quilt 20 years later <laughs> yeah it's like Pinocchio one day you'll be a real boy yeah one day you'll be a real <laughs> quilt not something falling apart and kind of questionable right yeah well and it's like you just see these things you're like oh I can make that and without having any real like knowledge of how but you had like the basics you had the know-how to like cut things apart I knew how to use a sewing machine knew how to use yeah there's like so many times where like I didn't really sew until later either I mean my mom taught me how to use her sewing machine my anxiety kept me from like really digging into it because I was too scared to break her machine or like ruin stuff so I didn't do a lot of sewing, but the times I did, I was like, I can make a bag. I can figure this out. Or I would like randomly just like my thing in high school was to have her, <laughs> uh, like we would cut the inseam out of jeans. Cause I, you know, just have jeans that were falling apart and yeah. fill, fill the front and back, like make it a skirt with like, yeah. I was obsessed with batiks at the time. And so I would have her fill it with batik fabric. That that was a thing for a while. It was. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, hello, early 2000s. But, uh-huh. um, <laughs> but so that was like, you know, I didn't do the sewing necessarily. I had her do it because I, for that, but, you know, I would make little bags here and there, just like 
try to figure stuff out. And I think that's why I wasn't too hesitant to start. Well, I was, I, my friends had to literally, literally force me to sit down and learn how to make a quilt to get me to do it. But once I figured it out, I was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've always, yeah. I've always found, I don't know. I didn't even really understand this about myself until like very recently, which is kind of embarrassing and and stupid. <laughs> but I am definitely like a hands-on learning style person. Like mm-hmm. I'd like to think I can sit and still and watch someone else do something, but I just, I just don't want to, I just want to do it and figure it out and mess up a bunch. And then, and then I'll know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I don't know. I think that makes a lot of people anxious mm-hmm. for good reason, because it's, it's, um, it's a very error prone way of doing things. Yeah. It always like it always comes back. It almost always comes back to bite me. There's always swearing. There's always frustration. I'm always like, man, if I had just spent, you know, 10 minutes learning about this first instead of just doing it, yeah, this would have gone better. But that's actually part of why I like teaching too, because I like um, I know a lot of people are visual learners and like to kind of see how something is is working before they try to do it. And I like being able to kind of cut through some of the frustrating trial and error that happens when you just dive into something. I mean, if people love to just dive into something, that's awesome. But the people who don't want to try to persist through hours of frustration. Yeah. Who does? It's not the fun part. I like being able to kind of cut that part out of the creative process because, you know, it should Mm -hmm. be fun. It should be positive, especially since so many of us don't have a lot of time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So after making that first quilt, how long was it until you made your second quilt? Oh, that's a good question. One? Um, well, if you had asked me this like a month ago, I would have said years and years and years, but I was just at my parents' house a little bit ago and I saw my mom, my mom's on her like 400th phase of cleaning out their attic. Like it's one wow. of those things where, you know, once a year she's like, I'm purging everything. And mm-hmm. this it happens again the next year Um, but I saw this like calico little small patchwork thing sitting out and I was like what is that she said you made that I was like no I didn't she's like that when you were a teenager so I have zero memory of that she said there are several of them apparently I kept making things I don't know no memory of that (laughs) the next quilt I remember making was once I had like friends that started having babies or getting married Mm -hmm. So maybe in my early twenties, I had a lot of friends that were older than me that I met through work and things like that. And so in my early twenties, I started making more quilts, um, for people like that. And I made like one Elizabeth Hartman quilt that I used a pattern for, Mm. but for the most part, I just made my own thing Yeah, again for better or worse. there there are plenty I learned I learned a lot about quilt design the hard way Mm -hmm. um, by making a lot of mistakes and not understanding the map at first and things like that so I I made several quilts just for friends for people whenever there was some kind of event I would typically make them but I didn't I didn't make them like all the time it wasn't like an obsessive like every spare minute I'm doing this it was more like for when someone had had a reason for one um and gosh, I'm trying to even think when I started really doing it more frequently. I'm guessing it was, geez, um, probably a little bit, a couple years before my son was born, maybe my first was born. Mm -hmm. I think I started 
quilting a bit more. I had more friends having babies. I, you know, was paying more attention to fabric lines I liked and starting to get more excited about it. So I had maybe made like a few quilts a year before that. And then I started making more and more. Um, And gosh, it's hard to remember, but I'm pretty sure it was when my son, yeah, when my son was a baby, I had made this one specific really simple quilt that was fun to make but really easy to put together and a friend of mine who worked at like a crafting magazine or something was like have you ever thought about writing a pattern Mm. and I was like no I have not and then Mm -hmm. I I was I was like that doesn't sound fun I don't want to do that but then the more I thought about it the more I was like I could do that maybe I could do that and yeah so I started um buying patterns to better understand you know, how people write them, what people yeah. looked for, things like that. So I started making more quilts from patterns so I could better understand how they're written, yeah. how people use patterns, all of that. I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to be writing patterns if I didn't fully understand how they were written and how people were using them. So yeah. I picked up some patterns. I started making quilts from patterns, learned a lot about how they come together, what a well-written pattern looks like, what frustrates people who are newer to reading patterns, even if I wasn't new to quilting. Um, And so that was a really kind of valuable chunk of time, I think, that I spent, even though I really wanted to just dive into writing them. I was like, I'm going to do some research first. So through that process for a little while, I felt a lot more confident about being able to produce my own. And so I started trying to write a pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, It was much harder than I expected for a lot of reasons. Yeah. You know, it's like every step of the process from like creating the diagrams to doing the math to how you're laying it out and what software to use and where, where different steps go and like how to optimize construction. It's like very different making a quilt for yourself and writing down the correct steps for other people to follow. Cause there are so (laughs) many different ways to assemble everything. Right. And Mm -hmm. trying to optimize like the ability of someone to actually make it and the best construction methods and the best use of fabric and all of these different things was just much more complicated than I expected yeah but I loved doing it it was really fun I released my first pattern for free and then I immediately started working on the next one which was a pretty straightforward simple one and Mm -hmm. um, it was just so fun to to start actually writing down some of the ideas I had. And I started very simple. Like I started with some pretty basic designs that I wasn't that excited about, but I wanted to make sure that I was doing it right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Doing it correctly and for sure something people could actually follow. So yeah, um, it was a really, really um, fun, quick decision that changed my life a lot. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's like, zero to 60 in two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, when I started doing this, I was working as a software engineer. I had been, I was a software engineer for 10 years and there are parts of my job that I liked and parts of my job I did not like. And I was in it, I was at a company that was sometimes great and sometimes not. And my, my job was just kind of getting worse and worse. And so Mm -hmm. after after doing some pattern writing and coming up with the idea for the subscription box that I started, I started thinking like, oh my gosh, could I actually do this? Like, could I quit my job and do this? And for a while I was like, no, that's a crazy pipe dream. Like there's no way. Right. Um, but 
I wound up like really deciding to go for it and yeah. basically worked on my business as like a full-time job every night, every weekend. My friends mm-hmm. hated me. They were like, what's wrong with you? you gotta... <laughs> um, I just didn't have a life for about two years, <laughs> but yeah. it worked out in the end. I was able to quit my job and now I get to do all this full-time, which is fun. That's fantastic. Yeah. Like as a f- person who does their business full-time quitting a career, it's like the scariest moment, but it's terrifying. It's terrifying. But I think if you have a vision for it and you can see how yeah. to reach the success that you want to have, it's like, you just have to take that leap and not that it's okay for everybody to do, or that everybody has privilege enough to be able to do it, but it's, it's so freeing. And like, it was funny. I'm, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to rewind a little bit. Cause I have a question that's like percolating, but, um, my husband was in software development for eight years and same thing, like the company was great. And then they like started, they like sold it off to like a bigger company. And then it like started getting super corporate and it was just like a downhill spiral for him. And so it was kind of that similar situation where it was just like, like, can we afford to quit our jobs? Can we, how can we make this work? Because we're both miserable (laughs) and we both have other things that we really want to do and experience. And so, yeah, like he jumped ship right after I quit my job. And (laughs) so it's, it's hard to even imagine, isn't it? And it's scary. Like, I don't know, I don't know how it works for you, but like in my family, my, I went straight from college into an engineering role, which, you know, we all know pays pretty well. Mm -hmm. And my husband was in a career path that was much slower to grow. So for me, and then he also went through a period where he was unemployed trying to find the right fit. Mm -hmm. So for most of our marriage, at least early on, I was the main breadwinner. And I just had that, that was the thing in my brain that I was used to. And then, you know, we had a kid and Mm-hmm. He had a better job, but I was still, I was still the one making the majority of the money. And so the idea, and like, you know, we used my health insurance, all of that. And so the yeah. idea of like trying to replace that income and quit my job was just so terrifying, mm-hmm. <laughs> so terrifying. Um, but things kept going downhill at work. And then like, you know, the pandemic happened and I was working yeah. remotely anyways. And it kind of just got to a point where I was like, okay, like I had spent enough time working two jobs and being so exhausted and having no life. And then the pandemic happened we had no childcare either. So we had a crazy, my, my son, my first is crazy. He's nuts. <laughs> he was two. We had a crazy two-year-old home while we were both trying to work and I was doing two jobs. And I think that helped a lot with the, yeah. I was like, okay, well, this is scary and anxiety inducing to quit my job, but I, I, I have to quit something. Like, right. I have to quit something before I lose my mind. So I think that definitely helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like that changed that all like the lockdown, everything, it just changed everything in my brain. And I think it was just so like collectively traumatic because everything had to change for everybody. And whatever way that was, it was like nothing that anybody was actually prepared for. And like my husband, I have talked about it a million times just because we're together all the time, not all the time. He's like a full-time student now and whatever. I 
go do my business. But like, we just talk about everything and just how, how actually traumatic it was for both of us. And like, it really did spur us to be like, oh my God, life is too short, you know, (laughs) to be like, why are we doing the things that make us miserable when we have these other avenues that we know will bring us joy? And like, who cares if like throw our degrees in the trash? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's kind of what it feels like. Right. And it did for a long time too. Like I always, I, I think, so there was a moment when I remember very clearly, which is funny because I remember like nothing. Um, <laughs> but I was one moment I remember very clearly when I was taking my son to daycare when he was a baby. And it's funny, I when I was like leading up to my maternity leave ending with my first son, thinking about going back to work, I had such a hard time with it. I was like, I don't want to do it. I'm not ready. At the same time, I was also losing my mind being home with a baby all day because that's just really hard. Mm-hmm. And I was looking forward to like sitting at my desk in silence for five minutes. That part sounded good, but you know, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to go back to work. And I dropped him off one day and he did not care at all. He loved daycare. He was like, see it. He was five months old, but he was like, you know, you're boring. Drop me off, please. Yeah. So, but I was like driving him to a, driving him to work, or driving him to work, driving him to daycare one day while I was heading to work. And I was listening to this podcast and I don't even remember what it was but it was talking about someone who had started a subscription box. And I was thinking like, it just kind of set off this, this train in my mind where I was like, you know what? I am like, I'm paying all this money for daycare. I'm dropping him off every day. And like, well, it's really nice to have a break because going to work at that point was a break Mm -hmm. um, after, you know, taking care of a baby. Um, I still felt like it just felt so kind of demoralizing because my job was not going well. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I basically, I had like 20 different bosses in a year period. It was insane. Whoa. It was just nuts. So I couldn't, I wasn't like actually doing anything, right. you know, doing stuff, but it would just get tossed in the trash. And I was like, why am I, this is going to sound very, I don't know, um, privileged and, and dumb, but I'm going to say it anyways. And then clarify, <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, why am I leaving my child at this very expensive place and not getting to spend time with them so I can go do nothing that's pointless. And obviously the answer is because I needed to make money. Like I needed to pay my bills. So of course, and that's the, that's the situation many of us are in all the time. And, you know, but it kind of just started that like process of like, can I, is it actually possible for me to try to change this? Can I do something different? Am I, Cause like quitting my job and being a stay at home mom, that was never an option. This is sure. not, not an option for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, but it was like, maybe if I am going to work and be away from my kids, which by the way, it's pretty good. <laughs> I love my kids and I love spending time with them, but wow. Yeah. Moms need, need a break too. <laughs> yeah. And they need to go run around with other kids. They are just not children that would, that we learned from the pandemic. They are not children that do well at home. <laughs> Anyways, but I was like, if I'm, if, if this is how my family is going to work, I would like to be doing something I'm proud of mm-hmm. and doing something that actually is fulfilling in some way. And, you know, if, if possible, and many people, most people don't have the opportunity to do that. And I hadn't had the opportunity to do that. And so when I kind of had that brain flash, I was like, I really want to try to do this. Like, is there any way I can make this work? And as we talked about, it involves a lot of, a lot of thinking a lot of math a lot of figuring out if 
you know, what you need to be able to produce and if that will work and all of that. And it's, it's hard, but it's, um, it definitely was kind of a life-changing moment of like, maybe I don't have to live this life. Right. Yeah. Maybe I can do something different. And like I said, like not everyone can do that. I know that's a very difficult thing to be able to do. It was a very difficult thing for me to do, but I was lucky in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that, you know, I was able to devote my weekends and evenings after the kid went to bed mm-hmm. to work and all of that. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's a hard leap to make for sure. It really is. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to rewind a little bit because yes. the question has been just sitting on my brain. So unbeknownst to you made, made some other quilted items or patchwork items in high school. But so from that stage to making quilts for your friends who are having babies and all that, what were the steps you took to learn? Like, did you learn more about the quilting process from like, did you take classes? Did you just, I mean, yeah. How did you go from that to, oh, here's a gift for my friends. (laughs) That was before the internet. Mm-hmm. Not real. That was before the internet as we know it today. Yeah. Um, that made me feel really old to say. No, it hurts. It hurts on the inside. Every time I have to say it, I'm like, I'm we VHS years old. We didn't have the internet then. No. Uh, you know, to be honest, I really don't remember. Um, it was so long ago. And I think, so I spent a lot of those my teenage years, I made that one quilt, maybe a couple other things, but I actually did a lot of costuming and costume work. That's what I was okay. really into then. Um, and that's what I, ha- I had a ton of fun with. And so I think doing that helped to kind of refine my sewing skills for sure. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those skills aren't quite as transferable. So I think, gosh, I'm trying to remember like when I even bought my first cutting mat and rotary cutter. I think it probably, I'm guessing my shift happened when I made my first Elizabeth Hartman pattern Mm. where I started really doing things in a more quilty way. Mm. Um, I really don't remember, but knowing (laughs) that pattern, (laughs) knowing that pattern, I definitely couldn't have been using scissors. So my guess is that once I started doing um, some more complicated things, I bought the things I needed to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I had any of that in college. I had a sewing machine, but I wasn't really doing quilting stuff in college. So it must've been just out, out, just after college. I think that I started actually investing in things and I'm guessing what happened just knowing me, I probably went to Joanne's to buy fabric and then was walking around and I was like, what's this pizza cutter thing? You know? Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's a better way to cut than using scissors. And I think I don't really remember, but knowing myself, that's my guess is that I was browsing the store and just kind of saw all these things and then started looking them up and figuring out like what, what they were for and mm-hmm. going from there. I didn't take any kind of classes. I don't think I read any books. I mean, I read a, I read a lot of books. I don't think I read any quilting books, <laughs> yeah. um, although I, it's possible I did and I just don't remember. Um but I'm pretty sure I just kind of piecemeal started picking things up and kind of organically figured it out from there. Um, I think reading my first real pattern probably helped a lot. That's probably when I finally understood what a quarter inch seam allowance was and how important it was because Mm -hmm. then I wasn't just making up my own stuff. I was actually making something real. Um, So I'm guessing that that probably jump-started a lot of the more quilt skills that I had to learn. Okay. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I think, yeah, it's such a specific thing, like making a quilt. So just like winging it all the time. Like, I think if you know the basic construction of a quilt, like, you know, it's got layers and, you know, it has to be like stitched together. Most people kind of figure it out, but Mm -hmm. it's like, I think too, because I had been around sewing with my mom, like I knew certain concepts of like that. Yeah. You can put a binding around something or, you know, I didn't know how to do it. So my first quilt was long armed by my friend, Jen, and then it was bound by my friend Beth because I didn't have those <laughs> skills yet but um binding your first quilt is rough yep it sure was and <laughs> the stitches are so they're I cut the binding too small on the one I first did by myself I cut the binding too small and uh finished it by hand so of course like the stitches are terrible like on all my first quilts that I did the binding on by hand I'm gonna just go through with a sewing machine like on my sewing machine and just like stitch them all down because it's atrocious but anyway um well the first the first real quilt that I bound I bound it using pre-bought tape from Joann's and I tried to sew it on by like putting it over the edge and doing it all in one seam yeah I went back and you know all the spots in the back where it wasn't mm-hmm. where it didn't catch the back of the binding it was just it was a mess yeah like in theory it sounds so great to do that but like you said like you not work can't see what's going on on the back side yeah. so you're just like I hope to god that this is catching uh, I'm sure there are professionals who can do it I am not one of them yeah no I binding is still one of the things that is just I can do it but I don't like it and I I will I don't mind it so much anymore um especially since I don't do any any quilting anymore like I don't do the quilting step anymore okay um and so that for me usually like when I would quilt something and then I'd have to bind it it was like it's just too much I can't I just can't do one more thing I don't want to do yeah um, and I think that helps a lot now. So now I'll get my quilt back from the long armor and I'm like, okay, I can bind this. It's okay. Right. <laughs> a hard part's been done. Um, yeah. 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 No, I get that too. I like the long arm is my favorite part of the process. So once I get it off the long arm, I'm like, oh, I yeah. don't want to, now I don't want to bind it. it. Yeah. I actually, that just reminded me one of the things I did fairly early on, actually, Um, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, but fairly early on, I went and took a class on a long arm and rented one. Mm. I am terrible at it. It was all freehand. Like I didn't do any edge to edge stuff. I'm not good at it. I mean, you have to practice way more than I ever did to be good at it, I think. But Mm. I did do, because I never liked, I I had a tiny little machine. I think it's actually, uh, oh, I gave it to my sister. Never mind. (laughs) Um, It used to be one of them back there um I had a tiny little machine for a while that had like no throat space and trying to quilt on it was just impossible I couldn't do it like maybe yeah. a baby quilt but even a baby quilt was hard so I tried went and tried doing a long arm and like I said not good at it but it was really fun I really enjoyed doing it and it was so much easier than trying to wrangle it at home mm-hmm. for sure yeah. so I liked I liked doing that yeah but again, not good at it yeah it does the free motion stuff takes so much practice and like 
I don't ever, I mean, I do sometimes, like I literally have been working on these two quilts that the client made two of the same exact quilt Mm -hmm. for her grandsons. And so I'm like, but it's like all these embroidery, it's called a day at the zoo. And it's like all these embroidery animals. And like, she didn't want an edge to edge going across them, which is fair because she put a ton of work into making these adorable zoo animals. And there's like, oh, I was like touching every single one because they all have like different textures of fabric and like the, sorry, this is a tangent, but I don't care. Cause it was so cool. Um, the giraffe, like his spots were embroidered over minky. So oh, like the oh. fuzzy was like popping through on the white of the body. I was like, this is so crazy. It was so cool. And like, of course the polar bear was yeah. minky and like the emu was like the, the like Lux minky. That's like really long, the longer fibers. Mm-hmm. So it's just like these floofy bodies. I was like, this is the cutest thing ever, but anyway, but so a lot yeah, of quilting, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like all free hand and I'm like, well, I hope she's not mad about this quilt because I mean, I think it looks fine, but I think it's just funny. Like I'm so used to setting a digital edge to edge or even customizing with digital, Mm -hmm. but just the nature of these blocks and like, just, she's like, I just want kind of like, you know, organic lines and whatever, just like, just to quilt the, the blocks down. And it's just such a different skill. And I'm like, I have to like stand there. I just like stared at the quilt and I was like, okay, what are we, what are we doing? What are we doing, guy? I'm going to do this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, speak to me. Tell me, tell me what you want. So anyway, (laughs) it is, um, such a different skill set. but I taught, um, I was teaching long arming for renters at our local quilt shop for a little while. And so the kind of putting my education degree to, (laughs) to to use a little. Um, but it is like funny how much more you learn about quilts when you also long arm them Mm -hmm. or quilt them yourself. Yeah. 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 So I think it's an important step. If you can't quilt it on your domestic, then like, yeah, try to find a local quilt shop that will, where you can take a class and rent it. Like it's to me, the value that you get out of just learning what you learn about quilts and how they're constructed is like, so worth it. If you're newer, because I didn't really know much about quilts. Like, obviously I knew you cut apart fabric, you sewed it back together, you got a pattern. I knew you quilted it together, but like actually doing it myself, I was like, Oh, (laughs) like so many more of those like seam allowances. And like, just the things that you come across when you're building a pattern, like, they all made so much more sense. And I think too, um, a lot of patterns will tell you how to like how much backing to get or how much binding or whatever, or use this much batting, but that's not for long armors. Like, yeah, this quilt that's actually hanging on the wall. I bought too little backing, mm-hmm. um, to be loaded on the long arm. So I had to literally like hand sew, a strip of fabric to the bottom of the backing while it was on the machine because I was like, oh, I'm not. I was literally at the very bottom. This. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm lose yeah. my mind. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, it's kind of oh. funny, but I am very particular about that on my patterns. I always 
make sure. And I think some people probably get irritated about this, but I'm always like, I am not going to call for backing that doesn't leave a four inch overhang on all edges, because the last thing I want is someone to buy and piece their backing, send it to their long armor, and then be like, oops, that wasn't big enough. So Mm -hmm. it's a bit more overage and all of that, but I just, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, um, I definitely had not that bad of a situation, but I definitely had a situation where I bought backing, pieced it. And I, you know, like I almost didn't do this, but at the last minute before going to long arm it, mm-hmm. like driving out to the other side of town, I laid it out to make sure and yeah. it wasn't big enough. So I had to add like a random, yeah. I was like, I guess we're adding a border on the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like oh I did that glad I checked glad I had checked because it was not not correct <laughs> yeah and it's it's frustrating for the the person like the the topper to be told like oh I can't quilt this because you don't have enough backing yeah but it's also frustrating for the long armor if you're having someone else do it and and probably frustrating for you too if you get to the quilt shop which I've experienced this people come they load their backing and they start putting their top on and it's wider than the backing I'm like you can't quilt that they're like what do you mean I'm like it's not gonna work <laughs> you don't have, you have backing. a lot of trimming to do <laughs> yeah I'm like you're gonna lose all like you know 10 inches off your quilt top yeah. because your backing's not wide enough they're like well I got this much yardage I'm like yeah but then you have to cut that in half and put a seam in it and yeah. they were like oh I'm like oh honey <laughs> yeah yeah it's so so upsetting I- I had enough. I didn't even used to do this when I first wrote patterns. I would call for the amount of backing, but I wouldn't have instructions for piecing it. Um, and now I do. After I don't even remember what changed, but someone suggested, it might have been my editor. Someone suggested like people mm. really like it when you tell them, especially with queen sizes. Like a lot of times people don't have a hard time thinking through if they need like two seams, three seams. And so now I just always have that. Yeah. No, I think like, you know, cut your backing into this size piece, sew it together this way. Mm-hmm. Final size should be this. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's valuable because people don't always know. Yeah. And it's also like, you finally made it to the end. Like once you did it, do you really want to have to think through like how to piece the, I just, I don't know. Piecing backing is just annoying. It is super annoying. I always try to buy extra wide if I can. Yeah, and if I'm too. using minky, I'm like, well, it can't be wider than 90 inches. Cause I'm using 90 inch wide. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, it's not fun. I hate it so much, but I'll do it. If I have to, I had to, I had to piece backing for a king size Harry Potter quilt. And I say, I, but I made my mom do it. <laughs> I was like, I'm finishing putting the border on. Would it be so cool if you um put the back together? She pattern matched it and everything because she's an angel. But anyway, yeah, it's not a fun part of the process. And it's like so much fabric. So like you've already gone through the long seams of your quilt top and then you have and then to you like have to do that. and then you have to press it open. Mm-hmm. Boring. It's fun having a mom that also sews and does creative things. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't really. It's yeah. super fun. My mom's and, like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> my mom, my mom's uninterested. She's yeah. My mom's like, can you, generation. can you fix this sweater for me? That's what she says. She's like, I'm just not creative. And I'm like, you have to, no one's just creative. Mm-mm. I don't know. You just have to try something and be really bad at it for a while until one day it makes sense. Like, yeah, how everything works for me. <laughs> yeah. I think too, like it's a level of curiosity. Mm-hmm. 
And unfortunately for some people, for whatever reason, their curiosity kind of maybe got squashed at some point. And so maybe don't different area or something. Yeah. Like, so they just put their energy somewhere else. But I think always because my mom was so crafty and creative all the time, like it always, I've always had that seed in my brain of like, I can make that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I always had that too, but I don't know where it came from. Hmm. It's so funny, like how, yeah, because like sometimes it's because it's literally how you were raised and sometimes it's just, it's just your brain. Yeah. 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 I feel like, like my, my dad is, my dad is like that, I guess, in other areas, not in crafty yeah. areas, but in other areas, he like, he builds, yeah. he builds robots and stuff like that. Fun. That's a good yeah. time. Yeah. 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 My dad is always building stuff with wood or just like, you know, there's always been just like making happening in my house. So, yeah. um, and then also my husband loves to build stuff mm-hmm. with wood. I mean, we have a lot of stuff laying around that I'm like, so what are you going to do with that now? He's yeah, like, that's I don't know. Made. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, what are you going to do with all those quilts? I'm like, I'm going to be warm. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have too many quilts. I'm sure you can. I'm sure a lot of people can. Um, no, no, I still I more. So. Yeah. I, to me, they're just so practical and like, it yeah. doesn't matter what time of year it is. Like I always have a quilt on me if we're just like hanging out and mm-hmm. same with my husband, we have quilts on our bed. We have quilts in our living room. We have quilts in our other, like our, our main living room is shared space when we have guests because we rent out our master suite as an Airbnb. Oh, cool. Okay. And it's called the cozy quilt house. So naturally like five of the quilts live in the room and then there's a bunch in this, the main living room, but then upstairs we have a second bedroom that is like our personal living room for when we have guests. And there's like four quilts up there and we've got three on our bed and (laughs) I've got this one hanging on the wall that rotates out and goes back into the living room. Sometimes it's hanging on the quilt wall in the living room. I just have giant piles. (laughs) I love it. I just, I love having quilts and like, it's just like something I never want to not have around. So I just get okay with having a ton. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I have a lot that are like samples for Mm. patterns. And Mm -hmm. so like they, they're still like, I should still use them, but a lot of them haven't even been washed yet. And so I'm like, well, what if I want to photograph this one again? Or like, what if a shop wants this one? I better put it away. Right. You wind up just having like the same four that are used and the rest are just hiding somewhere, which is silly. And every once in a while, I have a few that are like so soft and so like, um, especially ones that are using like the fables and wovens. I love those. And I have a couple of those that I don't pull out and let the kids use, but sometimes I'll go grab one. And like, yeah. You're like, this, this is, is for mommy. For me. <laughs> yeah. This is for me. No spilling. Like, yeah. You stay far, far away. Yeah. Yeah. This this is only, this is only mine. Yeah. Only use it when they're asleep. Actually, the quote my son has on his bed almost all the time is this one that I made, like one of the crappy ones I made early on where I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I made like, um, oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. It's cute, but it's made with like a whole bunch of, you know, random fabric from Joann's, which is, which is fine. But, um, I was like, I know how to save some money. I'll buy the $3 a yard white muslin instead of mm-hmm. the quilting's gone. Mm-hmm. I thought I was so smart. Um, I was probably, gosh, maybe 
I don't know. I don't think I was even 20. So wait, no, I'm not sure. I was young. It mm -hmm. was one of the first ones that I did when I kind of came back to it. Yeah. And um, I bought polyester batting, the cheapest one they had. And then when I loaded it on the long arm, something weird happened and it shifted while I was quilting it. So it's like a nice diagonal line of batting. You can't really tell, but it's, That's it's the worst as possible flannel I could find. But somehow that quilt, that crappy quilt is the one that's been on my son's bed for years now. So, you know, go figure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're always like, why yeah. that one? <laughs> and you know, it's funny in the dim light, it looks pretty good. I don't want to look at it in the light of day, but you know, just let him keep it on his bed. He can Soft. yeah, use it as he wishes. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. It's just funny to me. I'm like, I'm a professional. Go mm -hmm. look at my son's bed. Yeah. You're like, don't look over don't there, look but <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So back to businessy things. Mm -hmm. So you started your subscription box mm -hmm. when did that start that started at the beginning of 2020 okay. um, and then I had a lot of people who were like you know I want to use my stash but I want to make these projects or like I live overseas and shipping is ridiculous and mm -hmm. so um, after a few months I worked on making a digital version of the membership too so it became less of a just a subscription box and more of like a membership and you could either do a digital version or a subscription box so um, that was very challenging <laughs> from a technical perspective um, I think a lot of people would I mean you probably can relate to this I think a lot of people probably assume that either either I'm a stay-at-home mom and I do this in my free time nope mm -hmm not true. Um, or that I spent all day sewing also. Nope. Not true. No, <laughs> I go weeks without even touching my sewing machine. I spent all day in front of my computer mm -hmm. doing logistical, practical stuff. Um, and that was one of those situations where I'm like, well, I'm going to spend the next three months in front of my computer. Thank goodness. I have a software background because trying to set up a system that handles both, you know, a community online membership, and then also has physical aid, which it was just, it was a lot. Um, yeah, it worked out and that wound up having that like membership. I know people can get irritated with memberships because they're like, I just want this pattern. I don't want to have to join a membership to get this pattern, all that stuff. I get it. I totally get it. But like, I will say memberships are what make creatives able to keep creating for you. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's something people don't quite realize or understand is like, if you want someone to be able to produce work for you, if you want to be able to utilize these different patterns or these different things, like that is one way that lets people keep doing that. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, I would not have been able to quit my job and replace my income solely on just pattern sales. Yeah, I would say I am really bad at knowing exact numbers ever because it stresses me out. So I actually pay less attention, much less attention than I should with business numbers in general, because like I said, I just get in my head and anxious about it. So I kind of detach. And as long as things are vaguely working how I expect, then I don't worry too much about it. Yeah. Um, but like, I would say my like pattern sales alone, just that, like just PDF patterns are probably like 30% of my income. 
Mm. And that's not, that's not insubstantial and it's certainly pretty good. But when I was trying to replace a engineer salary, right. <laughs> and yeah. benefits, yeah. you know, like that alone wouldn't have cut it. I wouldn't have been able to quit my job. So being able to have like a membership and have that regular recurring revenue mm. that you can count on and it goes up, it goes down. Sure. You know, there's a lot of flux, but knowing roughly that you have something regular is a really like, it's a game changer for mm -hmm. creatives, for anyone running a creative business. So that just made a huge difference for me and it was wonderful. And I don't know, I haven't said this to anyone else. I don't know how much longer we'll be doing the subscription boxes. Mm. Um, I mean, at least through the end of this year, yeah. but it's a lot. There's so much work and there's so much logistics behind that. And oh, good Lord, trying to kick that <laughs> off while the pandemic was happening and there was supply chain issues. It was, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I can't even be that shaved years off of my life. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get fabric shipments that were like caught on the other side of the world. Like, it was just, oof, yeah. that was exciting. Um, But <laughs> then that whole, yeah, that membership and the membership itself will like keep that's going strong and it'll keep going strong. I might phase out the subscription boxes in the future just mm -hmm. because it's so much work. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of would free up some time to get to do some other stuff, which I'd love to be able to do. So, yeah. but it's been the the whole membership. It's the modern makes membership. It's just been, it's just been great. It's been a lot of fun. I've made some great connections, met some awesome people through it. And it's just so fun to get to put these projects together every month. So that's yeah. been a, that was a game changer for me for sure. That's awesome. So what, like, I guess, what would a membership, if people don't know, like what would the membership entail if they were to join? Oh, yeah. It's, um, so the idea, remember back when I was saying, I got this idea when I was taking my son to daycare yeah. about the subscription box. And I was like, you know, there are a million subscription boxes. I mean, there aren't, there are only a few quilting subscription boxes, but it's like, what would differentiate them? And what I realized is like when he was born and even before that, when I was pregnant and when I was working and all of that, I realized that I went through such a long dry spell of not doing anything creative mm. for so long, just because of the logistical barrier of trying to like plan a project, buy the stuff for the project, get the, you know, like materials needed, whatever. It's just, it was just too much with a little, with a baby and a job to like make that happen. And I had kind of wished like that there was something and I'd even looked it up. So I kind of wish there was something where I could just like get a small project in the mail with everything I needed. So I could just like do it when I had free time. Cause you know, you don't have like, most people don't have like eight hours of free time to sit down and work on something. We have a couple hours. Yeah. And so I was like, I wish there were little projects I could just get done in a couple hours without having to spend half of that time going to the store or trying to order fabric or whatever. So that was kind of the idea behind it. I also, you know, your show is called Not Your Granny's. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of also had that, like, that feeling. I wanted something that felt very modern. And modern quilting has obviously been around for a long time, but it really had just started becoming, you know, like on Instagram more widely known. And there weren't a ton of designs out there yet. Yeah. And there weren't a ton of designs that were smaller that you could use in your house. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun if we could get like mini projects that could be like tote bags or pillow covers or just wall hangings or like laptop cases, like just something that we can actually use 
that is feels fresh and modern and different and maybe yeah. skills and could just like show up in yeah. your inbox or on your doorstep once a month. Like, wouldn't that be nice? And so that's kind of the, where it came from. And so basically that's what it is. <laughs> There's, you get a, a mini, a modern mini project every month that's exclusive to the membership for at least a while. Mm -hmm. um, if you get the subscription box, you get a box full of all the materials you need. If you're a digital member, you get the pattern in the mail. There are, there's like a whole library of tutorials from past projects or just cool new skills. Um, you can check out past patterns on the website too. Mm -hmm. And then usually about quarterly, there's like a full free pattern too, like a full quilt pattern okay. that gets sent out to people too. Um, so that's more or less what it is. It's pretty straightforward, but it's just, it's just a lot of fun to, it's a fun way to build some skills. And it didn't really even start out necessarily as a skill builder, but that's, I always like kind of listening to what people are saying about it and what they like, what they don't like. And that's one thing that I started to notice is people were like, oh, I learned this, like, or this is a, this was a great skill builder. Like I'm really looking to expand my skill set. Mm. And especially since so many people started quilting during the pandemic mm -hmm. during 2020, now a lot of those people are like, okay, I'm ready to kind of branch out, try some different things, pick up some new skills. So yeah, I try to lean into that more now and like try to pick patterns and projects that have kind of a skill building kind of element to them, yeah. especially because it's so much more fun to learn a new skill on a 20 by 20 project than it is on a full-size quilt. Absolutely. I was just going to say like smaller projects that have a new skill are way more approachable than thinking of doing that brand new skill that you've never yeah. done before on an entire quilt. And if it doesn't really turn out exactly how you wanted it, it's not the end of the world. And you can also make another one if you want. Like I've had people who made one and they're like, nope. And they <laughs> And then they made a second one in the same afternoon and they were like, okay, now I get it. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's a nice way to, to practice some skills. And again, they're like supposed to be projects that can be done like in an afternoon, not something that has months of work before you have a payoff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so nice. Cause I think you're right. Like so many quilters, especially like millennial and younger quilters, like we're busy as fuck. Like we all have jobs. We all have and I shouldn't say all because I'm like lumping myself in there like I have a day job. I mean, I do, but it's not the same as I work for myself. It's fine. Um, but you still have a limited time to devote to your own projects and your right. own jobs. But so. I like I am, if I'm not on the computer talking to people on Etsy or messaging clients or whatever, like the logistical stuff, I am sewing all day. And so when I come home, I'm like, I don't want to sew, <laughs> even though maybe earlier on, I was like, okay, I have that like little thing at home. I'm going to work on it. And even small projects feel crazy when it's like, that's all you've done. But I think for me, when I've bought kits or like gotten stuff, that's like, okay, I have the pattern. I have all the fabric. All I need to do is just go like that has been such a godsend sometimes where it's like, I know I want to make something, but I don't want to have to like put so many creative juices into it because I've done that all day long. And I'm like decision fatigue city. Like my brain is like, I'm not making any more choices right now. Mm, and yeah. so I love that concept. And, and I think you're right. Like it just seems like the, the quilting that people think about is the granny style where it's like, you know, old fabrics or just like kind of feels dusty and like, like, oh, okay, that's cool. But it's, 
I think we want more from it as a, as a whole, as a whole community. I think there is, there are movements of kind of going back into the more traditional ways, which is great. And I think keeping them alive is important because it's, there's so much history there that needs to be remembered. But I also think like making room for what the modern quilter is now, like we're not all stay at home yeah moms like there's men there's you know children there's all these different working moms and single moms and single dads and all these different kinds of people coming into quilting that it's not just retired women no it's not just retired women and even though that's a large part of the demographic of quilters I think ultimately there's more of us doing it differently or trying to do it differently in a way that suits our lifestyle. Yeah. 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 So, so when we, when you find like businesses or people who are trying to make it more practical, it's like, Oh my God, thank you so much. You know, it's like such a sigh of relief. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's the goal. (laughs) I really love that. And I mean, totally understandable if you have to phase out the boxes. Cause that is a lot, you know, getting all the fabric and making sure everybody has the right cuts and the right amounts. And, yeah. and I do, I do outsource the cutting of it now, which is great. Um, I just, I can't even, I physically can't do it. I can't, it's too hard on my joints, on my wrists and my hands. I just can't cut that much fabric anymore. I mean, I cut the batting every month. I knew that alone is that's quite enough for me, but just the fulfillment of the boxes and the yeah. shipping process and everything. It's, it's a lot. I know we'll miss it when we're not doing it anymore. And again, it's not like I'm not stopping it anytime soon, right. but I, it's weird to reach a point where I finally see, like, I see a future where we, where we aren't doing the boxes anymore. And it's kind of bittersweet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, you've got to do what works as long as it works. And if it just feels like it's not working anymore, or it's not bringing as much value as other things that you're doing, then I think as a business, it's important to, to make those changes and grow because that's how we stay alive. That's how we keep our businesses intact and, and bringing forth the most, I think, impactful thing we can, we can give and, and, you know, every business is different. And so whatever you focus on, that's going to be your niche. That's going to be your thing. And then somehow if there is a gap, it will get filled elsewhere. You know, I certainly have no shortage of things I need to do (laughs) and not enough time to do them. So yeah, that said, you know, if you are interested in a subscription box, got the rest of this year, maybe a little bit of next year. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So get in while the game's good. Try it out now while it's there. Exactly. Exactly. yeah um so that's it's it's fun and like I said I plan on continuing the modern makes membership you know forever it's fun I love it yeah um but I'm doing I've been trying I talked about this a lot on social media I actually one of the main reasons I started a quilting business and actually did start doing pattern writing is because eventually I wanted to become a surface pattern designer Mm have an art background. I've always loved art. I would have loved to have been an artist or an illustrator, but you know, I'm also logical and I was like, I'll never be able to support myself. So I went a different direction. Mm -hmm. Um, just couldn't kill the practical voice in my head. (laughs) Actually, it was my dad, (laughs) my dad's (laughs) voice, but, um, but so I had planned on spending all this time, like, you know, building surface pattern design portfolios and submitting to fabric companies. And instead my business took off and I spent years 
writing quilt patterns and running a membership and teaching instead. Yeah. But I am finally, I, as we talked about earlier, I'm a fabric designer for Riley Blake now, which is really exciting. And I just really want to be able to like clear a little bit of time in my schedule and space to keep working on that, you know, and devote yeah. more time to art and art licensing. So you're right. It's kind of one of those things where we just always need to be growing and seeing what's working well for us, what's not, where we can find more space to grow in the areas we want to grow and yeah, all of that. It can be kind of uncomfortable and hard to do, but it's definitely, it's definitely the only way to keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. That like finding comfort in within the discomfort is kind of where I think as a business owner, you just have to live because when you get comfortable, I think that's when, that's when businesses fail because you just have to be adapting because things are changing. Your customers are changing. The economy yeah. is changing. Everything's always changing. So yep. yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So yeah, you're, you're a surface designer now for Riley Blake. You've got your first mm-hmm. line coming out. So Tell me what inspired that and how, like, was like the opportunity brought to you or did you just feel like this was the direction you wanted to go now that you've kind of done all these other things or yeah, like how did that come about? So I've been, I had been working on a portfolio for basically years, yeah, a long time. And I took Bonnie Christine's surface pattern immersion class. Okay. I took it. I actually took it twice. Um, I took it one year. And then took it again a couple years later, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, because I took it, um, oh, I took it right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so everything changed, right? And like, mm-hmm. suddenly no daycare. I had to kind of put that on the back burner. And then I took it again, I think the following year, because she offered some kind of really awesome discount to like people who had taken it before and she had re-recorded a bunch of stuff. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll just, I'll do the updated class. So I took it again that is, that class is like unbelievable. It's amazing. There is no way I would have gotten my portfolio finished ever (laughs) any of this, if it wasn't for that class, because it just, you know, like it, you can figure stuff out yourself, but it takes so long Mm -hmm. and being able to just be told like, this is what companies expect. This is how to produce the work. Mm-hmm. This is how, like, this is how to do it. Having that roadmap was just life changing. So like, I love it so much. It is the only, I'm very, I am very weird about like affiliate stuff and mm-hmm. like shilling for other people or having other people show for me. It makes me kind of uncomfortable. So I don't really, I don't really do it. I don't have affiliates for my products. I don't, I'm not an affiliate for other people except for that. That is the only thing <laughs> that I'm willing to it <laughs> for because I will tell everyone how much I love it because it really did. It made a huge difference for me. Um, So I took that class and I still was really slow to put my portfolio together just because I had so much, I had so much work to do. I always feel behind in my job because, you know, I always thought like once I work for myself, I can control how much I sign up for, but that turned out to be not a benefit. Yeah. That's a con, not a pro. Yeah. Uh, what I learned is Amber is not good at judging her own time. <laughs> um, so I basically just, I kept, I would work on it a bit here and there, but I never really devoted as much time as I needed to, to like really put together a good portfolio. And then I finally, my, I'm my friend Fran from Cotton and Joy, she's wonderful. Um, 
she started working with Riley Blake and I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, so you need to tell me, like, tell me your thoughts, make me do this, help me. And she was like, what are you doing? Submit your portfolio. (laughs) (laughs) So she kind of helped both as a cheerleader and gave me some tough love. And then I got to meet some people from Riley Blake at QuiltCon last year, which was wonderful. And Fran was like, she's going to submit her portfolio. And I was like, okay, I guess I need to finish. (laughs) You're like, oh, I am. Okay. (laughs) A kick kick in the pants. Um, So, and when, and I was, I had been getting close. So when I got home from QuiltCon last year, I I brought COVID home. So I was really sick for a while, but then as soon as, as soon as that was better, I, um, really kind of made it happen and sat down and finished it up and sent it out to a couple different companies and wound up going with Riley Blake because I really liked um, meeting them and talking to them. And they're just, I really like the people there. They're really awesome. So, so that's, that's how that happened. And um, the first collection will be out in the fall. It's um, when I, so when I'm like, when I'm not working or, you know, taking care of screaming kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we spent a lot of time outside. Our When we bought our house, we bought it. One of the main reasons we bought it was because it was one of the only ones we could find in our area that had a decent sized yard. It's mm-hmm. like a third of an acre. So it's not huge, but it's, it's good sized. Yeah. And we do a lot of gardening. We do a lot. We do a lot of stuff in our yard. It was basically empty when we bought the house. And so we've been, we've done a lot of work on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I have, I, got a greenhouse for myself a couple of years ago and um we have a gigantic garden area so we spent a lot of time gardening a lot of time out there and the collection was kind of inspired by how I start feeling actually around this time of year where it's like still cold and wet and gross outside but I'm starting to kind of like get the itch to get back outside and I'm thinking yeah. about like early summer and everything that comes with that and um, all of that so it's called garden dreams I should have said that um, Perfect. So, yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, so that's, that's the first <laughs> coming out, and I'm excited about it. It's. It felt very surreal when that contract was finally signed because it had been something I had dreamed about doing for so long. In fact, more than ten years ago, I bought a book, or got one from the library. I don't remember a book about surface pattern design, mm. and started doing it and manually did it, like manually drew out patterns and stuff like that, and it was really fun. But like. Mm man, so much harder, so much more work. So when I finally took Bonnie's class, I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. This is so much better. Yeah. It's still hard. Like it's still, it still takes a lot of work, Sure, but it's just a much more fun process. I feel like kind of like, it's kind of like designing quilt patterns. You can do it on graph paper. You can do it on paper, but man, once you do it in a software tool on your laptop and you can like undo move things around fiddle around it just changes so much the the options you have and and what you can put together yeah yeah because sometimes sketching is like you can't quite get it right or like mm-hmm. the proportions are off somehow and you're just like I don't ugh, why is it like this but yeah, yeah if you can like throw it in to some software and it can build all those the proper measurements in for you proportions then it's like oh Okay. <laughs> it's not that hard, but it is at the same time. Lots of math, lots and lots of math. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so exciting and so cool. Like I love Fran. She's been on the show and I got to meet her in person because I have a ton of family up where she lives. And so oh, we were at interviewing the owners of the quilt shop up there where she was doing a trunk show when her first the quilting bee. Yeah. The quilting bee. Yeah. Yeah. So 
when her first line was being released, she had a trunk show for it with her patterns made in, in all the different prints. And I was just like, they're like, come meet, you, you don't know Fran. You've never met. I'm like, no, they're like, come meet Fran. And so they introduced us and the show was still pretty new. And, and I, but I reached out to her and we made it work and like, just enjoyed following her. But yeah, like she has really seemed to enjoy designing with Riley Blake and having that opportunity. And so it's really, it's cool to kind of see like the community that we create in the quilty world. Like there's so many, so many pockets of people that like you can find that are going to think the same way as you, or at least similar, or be there to push you to do the things that you're scared to do and be your cheerleader. And I think ultimately the over the overall feeling is that we want each other to succeed. So it's like, it doesn't feel like harshly competitive, like, oh no, someone else has a quilty podcast. Well, I need to like do all these things and like get better at it and be better than them. It's like, no, I'm like back here cheering them on because it's like, we're all just trying to elevate each other. And so that's, yeah, I definitely, I feel like I was really lucky when I started, when I kind of joined the community because I pretty quickly got into contact or like got to meet I don't even remember how I think I think I just reached out like a couple people that I felt like were like really way beyond me right Mm -hmm. um and they were just so kind and so nice and so like eager to help and like tell me things you know like there was no competitiveness there was no like oh that's my thing I mean like so Elizabeth from Quilters Candy she teaches, I teach a pattern writing class. She mm-hmm. teaches a pattern writing class. Um, that's actually a different funny story. But mm-hmm. when I first was thinking about doing my subscription box, I was actually participating in a quilt along that she was running and I won a different subscription box, like from someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually, I think Bonnie's mom, Bonnie from, um, from surface pattern design, her mom runs a quilt shop and she had a subscription box for a little while. And I won okay. a subscription. It's all <laughs> it's a connected little spider web. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I had reached out to Elizabeth and I was like, oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited. I was actually just thinking about starting a subscription box. And I know you used to run one. So if you, uh, if you have any tips for me, let me know. And she was like, oh, I'm happy to talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. we started having like long conversations about subscription boxes and just the industry in general. And it was, she was so willing and open to share everything. Maybe she was even still running hers at that point. I can't quite remember, but basically mm-hmm. she was running a membership. I was looking at running a competing membership and she was like, that sounds like a great idea. That sounds really unique. Let's talk about it. I'll tell you what I know. And I just kind of blew my mind. And then of course, down the line, one day we were talking and I was like, or I don't even remember which of us said it first, but we basically discovered we were both working on creating powder writing courses. And we were like, of course, because when one of us does something, the other one does something. Right. But it was fun. Like it's, it's fine because I guess I've just always had the feeling from the beginning, like in this industry, a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel really lucky that when I entered the industry, that was the vibe that people above me had and Mm -hmm. were able to pass down to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helped shape how I was able to approach the industry as well. And I have just found so much more value in collaborating with people and 
I've, I've just, I've gotten so much out of collaborations with people. And I've just found that like looking at any of it as a competition is just really detrimental. Like, mm-hmm. of course there is a practical level of there are this many customers in the industry and they get mm-hmm. divided, you know, like I get that, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's just so mutually beneficial mm-hmm. to approach it more as a collaborative industry than a competitive one. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it, yeah, I've, I've just found so much personal value, both like personally and for my business. Yeah. Approaching things that way. And I, you know, a lot of, I had people ask me when I started teaching, like, why would you be teaching your compet? Like, why are you training up your, your competition? Like, why are you a pattern designer? You make money releasing patterns. So why are you now teaching other people to release patterns? Right. And that just kind of felt like a no brainer to me, I guess. Like I had, I had so many people that would reach out to me and ask questions about pattern writing early on anyways. And I was always like, I'm always happy to answer. I, that was the attitude that was given to me. So of course I would pass that on to other people. And it seemed like there were so many people who wanted to learn more about that. And Mm -hmm. like the quilting industry is massive. Like we see a lot of pattern releases now because we're all on Instagram and we're all watching them, but there have always been a lot of quilt patterns out there. And I think that's Right. A wonderful. That makes it a wonderful, vibrant ecosystem. We have a lot of options to choose from. Yeah. And um, I just, I don't like the idea that someone would have amazing ideas and not get to release them mm-hmm. because they don't have the technical skill set to do so. Right. Like that. So um, yeah. I always thought that teaching other pattern designers sounded awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I want to think- see what they want to make. I want to see what they make. They make, my students make the coolest things. I want to see that out in the world. And I feel like that's just been, been great. I've enjoyed doing that so much. Yeah. And it's so cool. And like I said, like the quilters that I've interviewed that have taken your course have nothing but amazing things to say about it and how well thought out it is and how well prepared they felt to embark on their own pattern writing adventure, having all that stuff to draw from. And I think you're right. Creativity begets more creativity. There's yeah, not, a, there's not a finite number of ideas or iterations of ideas out there. It's like we can put an infinite number of twists on things. And so I think the more people who are putting ideas out there, the more it fuels other ideas and gives people space to try new things. And see see things that speak to them versus like well I guess I'll just buy this pattern because this is the newest latest thing it's like Mm -hmm. no we're not like I think especially like us like millennial women coming into it we have had to learn how to straddle two different worlds of like watching like the more traditional living situation of like dad goes to work mom stays home with the kids or does like very part-time work and is home with the kids while also being socialized to um, be independent and be a boss babe and like all this other stuff that's just like fucking exhausting. And so we've had to kind of carve our own path to figure stuff out. And like, as much as we, you know, and I, I guess I can really only speak for myself, like as much as I wanted that like career path, I went to college, I did all the things it just ultimately ended up not being the thing for me, but I've always in the back of my head wanted to have my own business. And so I think college 
and getting my master's degree, there's like a level of confidence that came from all that, that allowed me to step into business and do things the way that I want to do them. But I think also having something or some support is really nice too. It's like when I reach out again, just like you're saying, when I reached out to people who I kind of feel like are above me or have more expertise or knowledge than me and ask questions, it's like so helpful. You know, it's like, there's such a strong community. And I think more than anything, quilters want people to love and understand and keep quilting. Like Mm -hmm. if knowing the answer to that question is going to keep you on your path of making and creating beautiful things to put out into the world, then hell yeah, I'm going to answer your question. Like I'm never going to shy away from talking to people who want to talk to me about quilting and Mm -hmm. I'll share what I know. And obviously I'm not the end all be all. I do it professionally for, for my business, for my job, but I know that also there's a lot more things I need to learn. And so I think as long as we come at it from that humble spot of like, here's something I'm really good at. So I'm going to show you how I do this, Mm -hmm. but then run wild, do what you got to do. Like, this is just a stepping stone in your journey. So use it how you will. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, it's just a wonderful community and I think that there's been such a wonderful push in the last few years to make sure people are included, mm-hmm. you know, to bring in more diverse quilters and give them opportunities that they should have. And to really just make sure that, you know, we limit the amount of gatekeeping that's going on. And to me, like, you know, every once in a while, there are conversations that float around of like, you know, do we need new pattern designers? Like, you know, why, why are we you know, everyone's trying to design patterns now or things like that and complaining about it. And I kind of, I kind of just like, okay, I mean, maybe you're following too many pattern designers, right? Do you feel that way? But really at the end of the day, like my job isn't to gatekeep people and it's not your job either. No. If someone wants to learn how to do this, they should get to learn how to do it. Right. And I think that you're right that the, I, I, I have really enjoyed seeing the diversity of work that can come out and sure there are going to be patterns that are released that look like other patterns that happens. Mm-hmm. It's part of life, you know? Yeah. yeah. You figure it out, you move on. Right. Um, but I have just been amazed at the level of like newness and interest in the patterns I've seen in the last couple of years. There are some that have just like come out that just blow my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like where I've seen like in in my class, this happens every year. People will post I like design ideas in our in our Facebook group. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh God, like <laughs> unbelievable. Like I never would have even thought of doing something like that. And that's I just love seeing that. I love the the amount of like diversity in design and design styles that people have. And yeah. I feel like I've been seeing more and more of that in the last couple of years. I think people have like they've you know, for a while they were kind of moving on from traditional blocks or moving into modern traditionalism and then kind of exploring what you can do in modern quilting. And I just feel like in the last couple of years, people have been really taking that and running with it Mm -hmm. and like really pushing the boundaries in a, in a really good way. Yeah. I just, it's, I don't know, like I've seen these designs and been like, good Lord, I certainly don't want to be the one standing in the way of that. I will help you however way I, however I can, like in whatever way because that should be seen um yeah yeah it's just wonderful to see what people can come up with and the creativity Mm -hmm. that people have and then 
like wanting, being able to come up with a design like that and then wanting to share that with other people so other people can make it too. I think it's just such a, mm-hmm. just such a special process. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a magic that happens in like creating something, but then releasing it into the world because then at that point, it's kind of not yours anymore. <laughs> like yeah. it gets to take on a life of whatever the makers that, that make your pattern yeah. And being able or, to enable other people to be creative is really exactly what it comes down to. And it's so, yeah, fun. like that idea now gets to live its own kind of beautiful life out in the world. And mm-hmm. the fact that it was like living in someone's head is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's, and I, I'm like you, I see patterns come out and I'm like, how did you even think of that? Like, how did that, how did your brain see that and go, Ooh, I can make a quilt out of that. Like my mom does it. So I know that it's a thing that happens. And I was like, I can make that into a quilt and she'll just do it. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm going to follow a pattern, but that's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I have so much respect for people who are putting their designs out there and inspiring people to make more things and to make more art and put more beauty out there. Cause I think just the creative process alone is exciting but then also being able to share it is so fun and I think you know just like with any social media thing there's the good and there's some bad that can come with it but I think for the most part at least you know we have some control over who sees what we put out or how we interact with people. And so I think also having boundaries of saying like, I will not allow negative talk about what I just put out, or if it is valid, like trying to understand your role in it. But a lot of times it's just people being jealous (laughs) or being scared of the, of the unknown. And so if, if you can like step back and realize like any negative comments are like 99% of the time that person reflecting or projecting their own inner thoughts onto you, then like, it's so much easier to kind of deal with that. You still don't want to hear it. I never want to hear it. I'm like, don't tell me I'm doing a bad job. Like I'll figure it out eventually. I don't need to hear it from you, but (laughs) my kids say that right now. I don't know where they picked it up, but when they're like if they're mad about something or they don't want us to to say it, stop doing it, they'll be like, don't tell me, don't tell me. <laughs> so that's my gonna, that's gonna be my thought now. Anytime I see something on the internet, I don't like, don't tell me, don't tell me. Well, you have so much exciting stuff. You've had your, your pattern design course out and it's about to start again really soon. And is it the same time, like kind of mid-February every year when you start it? Yeah, it usually is kind of around January, February, March timeframe, usually registration opens early February and it kind of depends on the year because okay. I always have to look at my, look at my schedule and right. <laughs> what's coming up and when, when it can fit in. Cause I like to make sure that like when the course is running, that's my primary focus. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't like, I try really hard to not have like, you know, a bunch of things going on at once that are pulling focus from that. So I want to make sure I can devote a lot of time to it. And so I make sure to plan it accordingly. Perfect. And, um, oh, I just have one more question about it. So is it like asynchronous where you release like videos and stuff and people can kind of watch it at their own pace through the seven weeks? Yeah. So it's a seven okay. week process, but there, there's only the only live component of it is like a weekly Q and a session. And that's recorded because okay. I mean, I, we always have students from all over the country. So like yeah. it's, 
I try to make it as accessible depending on where you are or what your lifestyle is. Like, you know, I mean, people are working, people are taking care of kids, people are going to school. There's Mm -hmm. so much going on in everyone's life. So you can really take the content the course at any point. And I also have plenty of people that don't even, that aren't able to follow the seven week schedule. And that's fine too, because once you sign up for it, you have access to it. Basically. I used to say forever and I mean forever, but also like, let's be honest, is it still going to be up when I'm 80? Probably not. (laughs) So indefinitely forever ish. Um, yeah, you don't like further notice after, (laughs) yeah, after seven weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Well, that's good to know. So that's exciting. Yeah. Cause I literally saw that like, oh, it starts February 18th. And I was like, oh, people are going to be at quilt con. And I was like, oh, she probably does it like pre-recorded stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, and that timing is kind of like, oops, but it is very much people can take the class anytime. And the first week is like the most, it, you know, the first week eases you in. So sure. Sure. For sure. Well, that's cool. So, and we'll look for your new line of fabric garden dreams coming out with Riley Blake in the fall all your local quilt shops that you want it it'll be so exciting to see it on the shelves too uh that's gonna that's gonna weird me out <laughs> in a good way <laughs> yeah <laughs> like surreal moments but yeah. uh well well so exciting and then you've got your maker membership and for now subscription boxes so lots of things for people to engage with you on which is exciting so how can, um, how can people find you online if they're not aware? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm just Alderwood studio, all one word. And my website is alderwood-studio.com. There's a little dash in there. Someone has the Alderwood studio domain and they are not letting go of it. They don't have anything on there, but it is not available. Interesting. Yeah. Mm, maybe I, we need to start doing some sleuthing and figure yeah, out. No, I'm like, can I just send you an email? are you actually going to use this? Yeah. Can I um, please have it? <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways. So perfect. Everything okay. Down there, basically that's kind of the landing spot for all my patterns classes. I have some like little technique classes and stuff like that too. And perfect membership can be found from there too. So yeah, that's a good, good landing zone. Okay. Well, I will put those links in the show notes below so people can find it easily. They don't have to try to remember or try to spell it because <laughs> spelling's not everybody's choice. Yeah. yeah. But, well, thank you again so much for joining me today. And I'm so glad we finally got to sit down and talk and that I got over my nervousness. Cause I really was like for months, I was like, should I email? No, I'm not going to like, should I? Yeah. Okay. I should yeah. ask her. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. Anyone can email me. And if I don't reply, it's not because I didn't mean to reply. It's because I got distracted and my inbox is very busy. <laughs> That's I'm like, I, I always, I, yeah. Like I always want to hear from people. And then if I find an email that I missed like two months ago, I feel so bad. I'm, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know I'm the same. I like reply to people in my head. Yeah. When yeah. I go back. I'm like, Oh, I didn't actually send them anything. That's okay. Fair. Yep. <laughs> or it's like in my drafts folder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I should click send on that. That's cool. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And I look forward to all your future things and seeing what you do from here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course.